Here's the problem with America, the country is broken Cause they minds stay closed, but they mouths stay open Get attacked and we blame terrorists, go broken We blame the price, blame racists for the racism But only if his skin is white If we don't need guns, cause we can call the police We don't need fire extinguishers, call a fireman please You didn't wanna build a wall and now the border is weak Your favorite actor has a gate that's like 15 feet Racism is gay, if you're offended that's retarded Intolerance is great until you speak and you're a target If a white man paints his face black, he's a racist piece of garbage But you put him in a dress and he's courageous and he's gorgeous All these double standards, man, I'm tired of the noise Freedom's an illusion if they censor your voice Call a dad a deadbeat for neglecting his boys But a mom kills a baby and you call it pro-choice You act like you're so much better than us Yeah, we know that Who told you that you're so special? You're a new world order Your facts ain't facts without censoring us Yeah, we know that Good job, you lose, here's your medal the flag they try to burn it to the ground don't do that in front of me i'ma let off a round pow scream loud burn the city down now put it on the news make them all feel proud look make a system where 85 percent of black people fill the prison is it because they black or they make bad decisions i ain't good at math but it seems like it's division or is it white privilege i believe politicians need to be locked up try to take our freedoms that's how you get shot up got our back against the wall try to just stop us more guns more ammunition please stock up Election gets rigged, rights getting fringed Take this syringe, frighten your kids Show up right where you live Make me wanna grab a rifle and just go You act like you're so much better than us Yeah, we know that Who told you that you're so special? You're a new world order Your facts ain't facts without censoring us Yeah, we know that Good job, you lose, here's your medal and everyone blames white folks for every little bitty thing We don't have no one to blame, we take responsibility They tell you be a man, then call it toxic masculinity Then when you act too feminine, they call it white fragility I don't understand trans man with humility I'm just trying to raise my kid the best of my ability If I disagree, you try to cancel, get rid of me You cancel, you can't be the answer, you killing me And I hate white supremacy just as much as you But I ain't feeling guilty for something I didn't do The system's killing everyone, it sucks, but it's true They kill you, then they broadcast it Call it the news Or they'll brainwash you through social media feeds And if you disagree, delete you immediately Make America China pretty easy to see I will always remember the land of the free You act like you're so much better than us Yeah, we know that Who told you that you're so special? You're a new world order Your facts ain't facts without censoring us Yeah, we know that Good job, you lose, here's your medal well, that was the new song that Tom McDonald dropped on Friday. I um, I am a huge fan of his lyrics. <laughs> um, that was actually uh, quite a nice tune, I might add. Uh, so today is Saturday. I usually don't do a show today, but I didn't do one yesterday because I was busy doing a lot of things. I also wasn't feeling too good. I was actually <laughs> spread quite thin. Um, uh, I did post in Telegram. Obviously, you know, we had to respond to my ongoing lawsuit uh, for defamation. I have two of them going on. One is toward the state of North Dakota, where we had, you know, that state's kind of weird. Uh, you have to notify the state that you're suing people of the state. And then you have to notify them with each person. So, um, 
that's separate. Uh, you know, I actually had to name judges in this one. Uh, and then um, my federal, my case that was in the state court, just like Dominion has taken Fox to the state court, that's where it's good and proper in the state court. Well, my state case was moved into federal court because Congressman Cohen said so. I mean, that's because uh, apparently in his official capacity and duties, uh, he's uh, supposed to be able to defame a... Um, a witness that signed a document under penalty and perjury. <laughs> so I, I don't know how that's official capacity, but I guess that's now one of the um, job duties of Congress, apparently, because my tax dollars and your tax dollars are paying for four attorneys to defend him. So Dominion filed a response and so did um, the House. I don't think we got one from Media Matters, which is pretty weird. They should have filed on Friday, but maybe it came in late last night. I don't know. I know Huffington Post has an extension. We gave them an extension. You know, they threatened to throw an anti-slap suit. Like, First Amendment, we could say whatever we want. <laughs> Ali Akbar is dodging, but I'm not going to get a default judgment just yet. First, I'm going to compel the judge to make him turn up because he's playing footsie. He's getting everything but he's playing retarded. And I think there was a case that said on social media, right? If you're served on social media, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. That happened a couple years ago, didn't it? See, <laughs> there's a case like that. So, um, so I've got, uh, the defamation suit, uh, uh, going on now. Um, a dominion responded to the motion, um, to the lawsuit with a motion to dismiss and simply just trashing me, not saying why they, it should be dismissed. So we requested the judge to take out scandalous things, especially if I'm litigating that. That's just you. That's, that's, that's what you do when you have no argument. When you have no argument, what you do is you just talk smack about someone else. Oh, but so-and-so said, oh, you know, it's in a civil suit. Do you know that I can file a civil suit right now? And, and submit into evidence drawn pictures with my own hand and say that that is photo evidence of you. Because I can. It's civil court. I could do whatever the fuck I want. Now, if I'm an attorney general, I can file whatever I want. And the judge that has a loan for his lake house from my bank, you know, will do whatever I want too. But anyway, I digress. Having said that, having said that, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about my, my lawsuit for for many reasons. The one thing is obviously, uh, it's uh, gaining back my identity that had been taken away from me from, for so long. And it wasn't taken away from me. I voluntarily, you know, forfeited my ability to have that comfort, um, because of the path that I chose. And there are a lot of me's out there, a lot of me's out there that could say something that can take all the skills and all that and bring it to the table and say, all right, America, here's what's really going on. Let's put it out. Because today we're going to talk about things that are going to, that actually make me very uncomfortable where we're going to talk about it. But before we get into that, I want to tell you guys what happened today. So I went to bed late because I was working on stuff. I, I have like four articles that I'm writing right now. And every single time I'm writing, I'm like, oh, I have to give all the whole picture. So when people actually read, cause I know people that read my articles actually read. 
right? Because people don't read these days. That's why you'll go to all these right wing and left wing sites and they have like five paragraphs and you're just like, nice picture. Um, so I was writing and I, I fell asleep late. I think maybe it was around three, four o'clock in the morning. So I slept in. I, I actually slept in. And from like 11 a.m. until I, I want to say noon, actually, maybe closer to like 11. 45. I woke up, but I didn't even get out of my bed. I didn't even get out of my bed at all. I just stayed there and I was watching tasty videos on my phone. Those are so addictive. I was actually on Facebook watching food videos, like making all this. Oh, I could do that. And I was like, ew, that doesn't look really good, but interesting. I'd love to try to make mashed potatoes with potato chips, you know, and then, um, watching some guy named Mondo that has really, I don't know why people, I mean, he supposedly is a good hairstylist, but it just looked weird. So anyway, um, I was watching videos so much that my phone, my actual personal cell phone was dead. So I plug it into charge while I'm making coffee and minute it charges up, boom, there's Gavin. We start talking about something. And, um, my other phone, my, my work phone, I see notifications. Now keep in mind guys, notifications. I don't even, I don't even look at, right. I have so many notifications, people that have anxiety because they get a lot of messages. They would hate to look at my phone. Okay. You don't even want to look at my phone. The amount of notifications that come on my phone are ridiculous. But for some reason, I guess it was the way it was positioned. I'm looking at my phone and I'm like, why, why is the Tesla saying something? And I look and it shows that someone uh, like 30 minutes ago, I don't remember, 23 minutes ago, 32 minutes off the top of my head now, trying to remember, said they, they, they disconnected from my Tesla. I'm like, wait a minute. The, the, the name alluded to a phrase that I was like, Oh my God, what is, what the, you know? But then the name was like, Holy crap. That was a name. That was an actual name. Okay. I don't know if you guys have ever read the article that I have on Tori where I talk about a list that ice made. I just had this list done in 2005 because I know a lot of people talk about it as just border patrol. Right. But they had a list and in that list, they had identified uh, every single person within the military, DOD, State Department, any career official in any federal position that was into kitty diddling, human trafficking, child trafficking, et cetera, et cetera. Well, back in 2008, there was a gentleman who's no longer with us. And had set up a spoof, and I don't want to say spoof because it wasn't really spoof, a bullshit account where um, through LEO, uh, yeah, you guys can FOIA that shit. I've actually attempted the FOIA. I didn't even get a response, but um, you should you should do that. Um, he created an account so that way through federal networks, when you jump on the LEO site, right, you can actually look people up. So we would take that list and try to identify where these people were within the federal government at the time. Were they still active duty? Did they get moved over? How many of them are now drill sergeants? How many of them are deployed? What their job is? This is just, this is just, this was, but the name that disconnected from my Tesla was that. Now, all of this was done under the purview of a guy named Robert Gates, um, uh, you know, to push and squash the investigation. 
Now, I don't know if it was knowingly and willingly, but I want to say it's knowingly and willingly, okay? Um, but I don't know. So I can't go straight on that. But Richard Gates, Robert Gates, oh, shit, Richard. Robert Gates um, was actually, you know, I, I we put together a subpoena and he's getting that at the William and Carl, um, William and Mary College this week um, to provide uh, information that I need for my, uh, defamation lawsuit. And so, um, it was really weird that that came up on, uh, on my app as a notification that that name disconnected from my Tesla. I'm like, what the hell? That's not the name of my Tesla because it, it says, you know, your phone was disconnected, um, from the Tesla. So it meant that 30 minutes beforehand, that someone with that name or a driver with that name um, had access to my account. So I then, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking with Gavin. I'm like, hey, this is happening. Let me just check my app. So I check my app. It takes a while and it loads and there's the name of my car, the way I named it with Nix's little picture in it and everything. And I was like, look, I'm going to hang up. I'm going to call Tesla. So I call Tesla. My gosh. So I was calling and calling and calling. And um, I had both phones because on the other one, I was like calling my lawyers, hey, uh, um, texting, uh, call me on this phone because I'm on the other one, emergency. Um, it's a good thing I had them on uh, the call with me to listen. Uh, you know, suddenly they didn't, they identified that someone this morning while I was asleep was accessing um, my vehicle, uh, which is, which is bizarre because it's over, you know, it's almost 30 miles away from me, um, parked in a garage, uh, because, uh, I'm not driving it, uh, cause the sensors are all off, you know, in the car, um, for me, right. You know, someone may say, well, you can, no, nope, no, nope, I, I, I have a rental, so <clears throat> I'm not going to risk it right until it's fixed. I'm not going to touch it. And, um, I'm not putting myself at risk. And, um, uh, because I had taken it to the, the Tesla place. There's only one here for her. I think it services Pennsylvania, freaking Michigan and, and, and Kentucky too. But, um, the, um, the center explained to me why my bumper didn't fall apart. I didn't know that they're still reinforced because of the battery, right? Hence why it didn't seem so damaged, but I'm getting all the sensors replaced and the whole bumper replaced, you know, da, da, da. But how is someone accessing my car when no one's driving it and no one is near it? So I call, they're like, so first they're like looking, we don't see anything. And I'm like, that's funny. I have, I have screenshots. Can I send you stuff? So they send me emails four times before I actually get the email to them and the person sees it. I'm going to tell you out of the two and a half hours that I was on the phone about Two hours were spent, no, an hour and 45 minutes were spent listening to really bad music. <clears throat> I got a lady on the phone who, after putting me on a very long hold, says, we've identified, um, you know, that your car was accessed. Uh, let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to change your password. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I was like, look, I use this on the blockchain. I use that on the blockchain. There's no way someone has access to that. So, and nobody, uh, there's no other drivers added to that car. Phoebe's not a driver. Hera's not a driver. Carlos, not, nobody's a driver on that. Just me. 
So they confirmed that someone had accessed my car in the morning, but she can't give me the details. So I'm like, wait a minute, I have the right to all data. It even says it on the Tesla site uh, about my car. So I want the details, at least give me the location so that way I can start sniffing around my side. I'll probably do a faster job than people, you know, at home, not at work at Tesla on the weekend. Um, she said, no, I can't do that. And I said, no, I have every right to. And I said, okay, that's fine. How's this? Are you telling me that now that I changed my password and, you know, for some reason she could see another driver on my account and I couldn't on the website. So that was really weird. Um, so she, um, asked me if I was using third party apps, obviously not. I don't do that. I'm not dumb. Um, she then, um, uh, what did she, what did she, oh, she then said, you know, again, I couldn't get anything. I said, I just want to know a general geographic area of where it came to. Um, and she refused. Um, and I said, all right, then get me your supervisor. Cause I want details. She puts me on hold for a very long time, comes back. And I was like, look, I, th I think I have part of that conversation. Hold on. Let me see if I can play it before she puts me on hold again. <laughs> she like, she kept putting me on hold. Like she wouldn't, and then she wouldn't give me her name. And then a supervisor came and said, you don't need her name. You have mine. So tomorrow I find myself, um, going to, I have to go to file a police report, but here it is the beginning of the call. Hold on. It can cause me harm. And that's exactly what I'm telling you. If you want that information, ma'am, you, this is, there's two things you can do. If you want that information, you can either request it to your account or you can go to service. Now, let me go ahead and change your link. Give me one second. So I think this is like dead air. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's like super dead air, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay, and then I got music. And then it just goes on for 18 minutes on music. Um, you know, that was part of the conversation. Uh, <laughs> So it was, it was, and it's not an Indian call center. They're, 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 they're local. She just had, you know, a heavy accent. Um, she didn't give me her name again. I didn't record it from the beginning. I was more flustered because I was at the same time I was texting my kids, like, where are you? Where are you? I wanted to know if they were near the garage. I was like, nobody like go there. If you forgot anything in the car, don't touch it. Don't click on it. Don't, don't, don't go near it. Don't use the card to open it because there's like key cards, right? Don't do anything. If you forgot anything in there, Phoebe, forget it, you know? And so for the first, um, you know, 20 minutes of it, I was, um, kind of just trying to make sure that everyone was away from it and not to touch it. Um, you know, because Phoebe usually like, Oh, I forgot. Like I have scrunchies. Cause I have like a ton of scrunchies in the car because I keep losing them. So, um, uh, I, um, I was, I was actually very, very upset. None of them would confirm. I, I asked them direct questions like, all right, so do you feel that uh, it's safe for me to drive the car since you're not sending your mobile unit to run diagnostics? Because at first they told me you should, you should call your insurance and get it towed to the nearest Tesla service. And I'm like, but you just told me they're closed. She's like, yeah, but they'll leave it there. And I was like, yeah. Um, I was like, no. <laughs> um, the supervisor at the end, she, she kept not answering my question. Um, I kept asking her, like, do you think that it's safe for me to get I'm like, I know it was a message, right? The name was a message. I don't even want to repeat it because if it's on some, I don't know, <laughs> having, uh, you know, having accessed 
Elio or, or any databases that you may or may not. At that point, I had authority to access almost anything, but you never know if they want to get you. So <clears throat> it concerned me because for one, it's a trigger word for me, um, just because it's personally a trigger word ever since, you know, um, 2019. But uh, it's also, you know, a name that I identify, you know, I see and I'm like, oh, just took me back freaking 12 years and then some 14 years. Shit. Fuck. And, and so I was, I was like, holy shit, someone, it's either this, someone sending me a message to be like, yo, your car's compromised. Be careful. Or someone's telling me I'm coming for you because of this shit that you did then. So, um, I was, um, it, um, it terrified me. Um, anyway, they, they kept skirting the issue. Well, if you, it's your choice, if you want to drive the car, I was like, no, uh, I want you to tell me, would you, as me, as your customer, would you advise me that it's safe for me to drive that vehicle? And, um, she wouldn't answer the question. Her answer would be like, well, if you feel, and I'm like, all right, you're not answering the question, Right. Well, I can see that you can put it into drive. And I'm like, <laughs> this is the last thing I want to do. So I I um I ended the call. I hung up after two and a half hours. I was like, all right, so what are we waiting for? Good. I'm not getting it towed. Your guys are coming over to the garage and I'm gonna watch the bitches run diagnostics because I wanna know. So um for all of you saying, Oh my god, you know, Tesla, it's gonna get hacked, it's this, it would be their worst nightmare. Okay. Uh one thing that a lot of people don't understand is I have ring doorbells. I have Alexas. I've got Google devices. I got a ton of shit. Why? Because people can actually monitor that there is paper trail on that. So when you're doing shit like me and exposing really, really bad people, the last thing you want is have no eyes on you. Okay. You want everybody and their mother good and bad watching. If I don't want to be heard or I don't want to be seen on the internet, I can do that. Okay. I could totally do that. It's very easy to disappear without a digital footprint. But when you're out in the open and you are doing things, you want both good and bad to be paying attention. Because if someone takes me out, which they can't, God's got my back, right? God's got my back. Then there'll be paper trail. There will be paper trail. I would be the worst PR nightmare for Elon, um, especially with the paper trail of lawsuits. So I could tell you what, um, I, I trust that Tesla has a really good coding team. Elon is a very smart guy. He just needs to train his customer service more. If someone's calling you concerned and you can verify that someone has accessed their account, you don't sit there and say, oh, well, just change your password. This isn't a fucking email. This is my car right? They could be remotely, you know, controlled. He needs to train both the supervisor and, uh, the customer service person who was definitely reading a script. So, you know, he prides himself on being the safest car. It is the safest car. If I was hit the way I was hit with any other car, my bags would have deployed. I, I, I would have hurt myself a lot more than I was. And I know a lot of people are like, I don't see any damage. Well, there was, it's just steel reinforced. They don't do that shit anymore with cars. They're all made of plastic now. And even though Tesla has plastic, there's a ton of, um, electronics that are attached to a steel bumper. 
So, um, the, <laughs> I just saw a comment flying by saying Tesla rerouted my call to bang, 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 bang. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I believe that, that, that Elon who prides himself on exceptional customer service, cause I have never had a problem. I just happened to get the weekend customer service that, you know, thought nothing. Now for those saying, well, someone can remote access your car. I would be the biggest PR nightmare. Okay. Uh, his stock would tank. Uh, people wouldn't trust the car. For me, it's important that they can see where I go and they can see who's doing funny business. On top of that, they can listen into my car. So you definitely know that I'm fine. I'm, I'm just saying, so I feel really bad, but the fact is this is not how you handle it. Okay. I, 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 I'm just saying this isn't how you, um, um, handle that situation. Now, what will I do? Obviously I'm going to get it repaired. I might actually tell them, take it the fuck back and get myself another vehicle. I don't know. I'm going to see how they, um, take it from there and fix it or whatever. I I'm just concerned at the response that I got right. Um, from his customer service. And as someone that had been dying for over a decade to get one of those cars and to get it and be totally happy. I mean, their service guys are great. Their service is great. But suddenly, um, you know, to, to be told, you know, you confirm that there's a hack, right? You confirm it and you're telling me to change my password. Like it's like my Ipsy account or, you know, my Walmart shopping account. Like, come on, man, this is my car. So I wanted, um, I wanted you to understand that. So for those saying, oh, you know, it's monitoring. I want it to monitor me. I have Alexa's in my house. Every time I say the name Brennan, Alexa's like, I can look something up or some bullshit. <laughs> Every time I say the name, she wakes up. So it's kind of funny. But I want them to listen as much as they want. They can listen. Because if I don't want them to listen, they can't hear shit. Okay. And if I don't want them to see my digital footprint, they can't see shit right? I actually know how to digitally camouflage myself. When I want them to see, oh, look, I'm trolling this person. Oh, look, I'm emailing this person. Oh, look, I'm talking to this person. Oh, look, we're having this conversation. I leave it alone. Uh, in, the, in the famous words of Bill Binney, you can have as many VPNs and firewalls as you want. Unless you are clearly off the grid, they will see everything. You just have to assume that everything is being monitored. End of story. Um, so, and, and the fact that I have a Tesla is even better for me because everything's monitored. Um, and just like that tree crash with the people, people were like, oh my God, it was the autopilot. And they were trying to sue and Tesla was like, nope, here's the data. They were fucking in the back seat while the car was driving. So <laughs> that was the story. So I'm just saying, uh, you know, they had video and everything. So, <laughs> so that's the way it goes. Um, now, today, um, I wanted us to review two things, SCOTUSgate in depth, because, you know, a lot of SCOTUSgate is happening. It actually kicked off in 2020, all right? It kicked off in 2020. People didn't realize it uh, because they started planting seeds. They started planting little seeds of SCOTUSgate. Now that was supposed to come to the surface in 2021. That's if president Trump won. And I'm glad he did not. And you're going to be like, what? No, 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 no. You know, in retrospect, I'm pissed, but it actually helped me see where everyone sits for me. I'm saying on a selfish side, 
on a non-selfish side, it helped America wake up. It helped America see what in an establishment can do. It helped America see uh, what's good and bad. It helped America see what leadership is. It helped America see that you can't trust the media. It helped America start tuning into their gut. So there goes that. And I can tell you that the certifications that I keep talking about, right, were a booby trap for President Trump. Uh, they had coups ready to go, which they successfully did. We let them, (laughs) I can't believe I didn't see it. We let them run away with it. Um, because the booby trap was something I discovered. Um, and I was like, they were going to, they were going to go after him that he's racist. We saw them start the narrative. The whole media was pushing it, right? But blacks can't read cards. Blacks can't do anything. Blacks are too dumb to, to, to this, right? They were constantly being, putting out such racist comments. Remember that crazy video with the guy pretending he was a Neanderthal, you know, poking at a laptop. That's how dumb they made people think, right? Uh, people are, and they tried to make it racist, right? Uh, the whole voting ID racist, but then they would have said, if you want, that the machines were decertified. And this is, and, and, and this is where it comes down to it. Yet they did try to steal it. They knew that he was going to put mitigation and the mitigation ceased at some point. And I, you know, when I saw the mitigation cease, I was kind of like, what's going on here? Cause I, I knew they were going to steal it in July. But then I kind of said, all right, I'm just going to sit and watch for a bit. And then I got angry because I thought it was XYZ person, XYZ person flanking the president. And then I realized, nope, they're out of the loop too. They're out of the loop too. It's all good. So now I see it because I saw the first inclination of resurrecting SCOTUSgate today. But before we go into that, we're going to talk about election lies because they're already starting SCOTUSgate because guess who's coming? Yeah. The lawsuit's coming. It took a while to get it into place. It took a while for God to bring the right attorney, the right venue. I mean, it had to be in Chattanooga. That's where it all started. So, you know, it had to go that way. So we're going to listen to a little bit of um, CNN. And a lot of you don't want to listen, but I told you on election night, CNN is going to be the one that's going to be giving you more truth than anyone else. And, uh, even if it's not truth, um, it's not true, but they're going to give me, (laughs) how's this? You have to take it with a grain of salt, but they will tell you exactly what they're doing. This is where you see their playbook. So let's go. There was a very consequential vote this week in the U.S. Senate. Republicans, along with two Democrats, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, blocked the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. That bill would have updated the 1965 Voting Rights Act that was gutted by the Supreme Court and would have expanded election access across the country to counter some 33 new laws in 19 Republican-led states, laws that are designed, a lot of voting experts say, to suppress minority votes. After the John Lewis Voting Rights Act was defeated, Cinema shook hands with Republican senators before the vote. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell told reporters minority voters had nothing to fear with all of these new restrictions cropping up across the country. What's your message for voters of color who are concerned that without the John L. Lewis Voting Rights Act, they're not going to be able to vote in a midterm? Well, the concern is misplaced because if you look at the statistics, African-American voters are voting in just as high a percentage as Americans. 
Now, McConnell has said since all of this that he misspoke there, but that did not convince the countless citizens on social media who started the hashtag Mitch Please and posted pictures with the message, We Are Americans. Perhaps many people remember what McConnell and other GOP leaders said back in 2006, not that long ago, when every Republican in the Senate voted to reauthorize the Voting Rights Act, and it passed at that time 98 to 0. One of my favorite sayings that many of us use from time to time is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And this is a good piece of legislation that has served uh, uh, an important uh, purpose over many, many years. And uh, this landmark piece of legislation will continue to make a difference. Uh, not only in the South, but for all of America uh, and for all of us, whether we're African-Americans or not. I hope 25 years from now it can be said that there will be no need for the Voting Rights Act because things have changed for the better. It would be nice if there were no need for a Voting Rights Act, as 2006 Senator Lindsey Graham just said. But consider what's been taking place in these Republican state houses, for starters, the new voting restrictions passed in those 19 GOP-led states have been predicated on the big lie that the election was rigged. It wasn't. We all know that now. And if you're still saying it was rigged, please get help. Then there are the various provisions in these state laws that appear to target voters of color, with provisions that limit mail drop boxes and offer less time to request an absentee ballot, among other ways that make it harder to vote. Georgia famously passed a law that threatens to punish people who hand out water and snacks to voters waiting in long lines. Ain't that a peach? Studies in recent years have shown that voting lines are longer in minority communities. In Texas, the state's Republican Party tweeted the quiet part out loud, saying recently, if you can wait in line for a COVID test, you can wait in line to vote. Then there are the more recent developments in places like Florida, where Governor Ron DeSantis is proposing an election police force. To ensure that elections are conducted in accordance with the rule of law, I propose an election integrity unit whose sole focus will be the enforcement of Florida's election laws. This will facilitate the faithful, faithful enforcement of election laws and will provide Floridians with the confidence that their vote will matter. Which is wild because DeSantis was bragging right after the 2020 election that Florida was a model for the nation when it comes to running elections. People are actually looking at Florida and asking the question, why can't these states be more like Florida? Why can't these states be more like Florida, he asked. Well, Georgia Republican candidate for governor David Perdue wants to be more like DeSantis. The Trump-endorsed Perdue is now also proposing an election police force, saying in a statement the purpose of this law enforcement unit is to give Georgians confidence that only legal votes will be counted and that anyone who tries to interfere with our elections will be arrested and prosecuted. But we have not gotten to the most egregious part yet, and that's the ongoing efforts to place the most Trumpy election truther Republicans in key Secretary of State positions across the country. Yes, the same positions that preside over our elections. We're talking about people like Mark Fincham, who is the Trump-backed GOP candidate for Secretary of State in Arizona. Fincham, CNN has reported, has supported QAnon conspiracy theories. I look forward to the day that we set aside an irredeemably flawed election. That's the election of 2020. With all the evidence we have, the Arizona election should be decertified by the, with cause by the legislature. 
Donald Trump, who looks like he's running for president or pretending to run for president, honestly, what's the difference? Sounds pretty interested in who will be counting the votes next time around. We have to be a lot sharper the next time when it comes to counting the vote. There's a famous statement, sometimes the vote counter is more important than the candidate, and we can't let that ever, ever happen again. They have to get tougher and smarter. You know, if Ron DeSantis wants to put that election police force to good use, he might consider sending them over to Mar-a-Lago. You know, just ask a few questions about an attempted coup. Yes, Officer Ron, I'd like to report an insurrection. The one on January 6th. But all of this is why the various investigations into Trump's actions leading up to and during the January 6th attack on the Capitol are so monumentally important right now. The January 6th committee's probe is moving closer to Trump, focusing on the big names in his inner circle. People like his daughter, Ivanka Trump, who received a letter from the committee asking for information about her father's actions in the days leading up to and on January 6th. And then there's Rudy Giuliani. Apparently, he did more than hold a news conference at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping Company. CNN reports Giuliani was leading the effort to have bogus electors send in fake certificates to the National Archives, falsely claiming Trump won seven battleground states. Giuliani seems to have some free time on his hands these days, as he appears to be selling autographed 9-11 T-shirts for $911. Rudy never forgets how to make a buck. Some on the far right apparently want you to forget the sacrifices made by John. Can I just stop it one second? So first of all, he put Mark Fincham on, who had Ali Akbar tweeting for him. <laughs> and because he's running, nobody wants to use his name because he's running for office again. Nobody wants to talk about Mark. Mark's our friend. He's running again. He's not your fucking friend. Ali Akbar was running his, his, uh, his uh, social media. So, you know, you can't sit there and say, no, 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 he's on our side. Fuck that. And there's a lot of people that tell me that uh, very important people, very kind of important people, you know, and I say, no, man, he was running his social media. He was part of it. Stop. No, 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 no. Which, by the way, we should talk about Akbar because I also subpoenaed Karl Rove, but <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But then he's he's putting out Rudy Giuliani wasn't selling those shirts since last year in 2021. So he's talking about it today in 2022. So weird. It's almost like he's making shit up. Let's go. Lewis and other icons of the civil rights movement during their epic struggle for equal access to the ballot box back in the 1960s. States like Florida are attempting to limit discussions of race in public schools, barring instruction that makes students feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin. Are they allowed to teach kids about what happened to John Lewis? Or might that hurt their feelings? Well, this is what happened to John Lewis on March 7th, 1965, when he and other civil rights leaders marched across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Alabama. They were beaten by police simply because they believed in something as simple as equal access to the voting booth. Lewis suffered a cracked skull on that day, which became known as Bloody Sunday. Lewis spoke about the struggle during his address to the Democratic Convention in 2012. Not too long ago, people stood in unmovable lines. They had to pass a so-called literacy test, pay a poll tax. On one occasion, a man was asked to count the number of bubbles in a bar of soap. 
On another occasion, one was asked to cut the jelly beans on a jar or to keep them from casting their ballot. I've seen this before. I lived this before. Too many people struggled, suffered, and died to make it possible for every American to exercise that right to vote. John Lewis used to talk about the virtues of good trouble. Something tells me the politicians standing in the way of voting rights are about to get a lesson in what that's all about. Perhaps these efforts to stop the vote will backfire and actually motivate people to stand in long lines to cast their ballots. Cops or no cops, make sure to pack plenty of snacks and water. They're going to need it. Snacks and water, they're going to need it. A lot of these new movements that you're going to see is going to be all around that. So now let's go to um, what CNN says. I can't believe that Howie said this on national television with a straight face. This is all from today. This is the buildup. I'm telling you. I want you to see. They're telling you. This is why I say it's important to listen to them. People don't read and people don't listen, right? You can listen to them because they tell you exactly what they're going to do. So now I'm going to show you how you can see exactly what they're going to do. Take a listen to this report today. Senator Josh Hawley, the first senator to announce that he would be objecting to the results of the fair and secure 2020 presidential election, went on national television and said this with a straight face about Joe Biden. Fair and secure. She said that shit with the straight face. He's already making excuses for why he's going to lose in November. And Pete, that's what this is all about. Democrats don't accept elections that they don't win. Oh, irony, but more on that in a moment. First, an explanation of how Missouri's junior senator came to make this comment. He was... Okay, so she just... (laughs) He said that with a straight face. It's like, bitch, you just said with a straight face that it was a fair and safe and secure election. (laughs) Like, come on. Like, oh my God, where do they find these people? All right, let's just see. Now we're going to get to the history, to the bottom of why he says this. Wait, wait criticizing President Biden for saying this Wednesday. Speaking of voting rights legislation, if this isn't passed, do you still believe the upcoming election will be fairly conducted and its results will be legitimate? Well, it all depends on uh, whether or not we're able to make the case to the American people that some of this is being set up to try to alter the outcome of the election. The correct answer from a president, especially one whose predecessor undermines the legitimacy of elections more than he plays golf, is, yes, I expect the upcoming election to be fair and legitimate, but Biden shanked the ball big time. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki tried to quickly clean up the mess. He is not questioning the legitimacy of the 2022 elections, but it is also his responsibility and the vice president's too, to be very candid and clear eyed and communicate with the American people about what is at risk. So now to the irony of Josh Hawley even touching this issue of the legitimacy of elections. Flashback to early January 2021 as Hawley anticipated his shining moment on C-SPAN where he would object to the results of a fair and secure election as he pushed the big lie. I just want to pin you down on, on what you're trying to do. You know, are you trying to say that as of January 20th that President Trump will be president? 
Well, Brett, that, de- that depends on what happens on Wednesday. On Wednesday. Wednesday, January 6th. That's the day that he was talking about. The day that Trump supporters surrounded the Capitol as Congress, including Hawley, gathered to certify the election results. The junior senator from Missouri made sure to pay them a visit outside. His clenched fist held high to show solidarity with those who would soon storm the Capitol as Hawley and his colleagues fled the Senate chamber. Hawley's campaign, by the way, fired off a fundraising plea as the ransacking began because he saw opportunity, his words, in the day. My view is this, that this is my opportunity to stand up and say something. Four people died that day for Trump supporters. 140 police officers injured that day defending the Capitol. Five died in the wake of the attack, including by suicide. But even after the attack, Holly went ahead with his C-SPAN moment. This is the place where those objections are to be heard and dealt with, debated, and finally resolved. In this lawful means, peacefully, without violence, without attacks, without bullets. And so, Mr. President, let me just say now briefly, in lieu of speaking about it later, a word about Pennsylvania. Objecting still to the outcome of a fair and secure election, even after the attack. Later, when given the chance to join his colleagues in honoring the service of the Capitol Police and the D.C. Police, hard pass from Josh Hawley, who takes issue with calling the people who stormed the Capitol violent insurrectionists. Instead, he dined out at CPAC on his role undermining the election. On January the 6th, I objected during the Electoral College certification. Maybe you heard about it. I did. Sounds like a Tinder profile, doesn't it? Enjoys short walks outside the Capitol, making money off of attacks on democracy, looking for a partner who also likes to rewrite history. I never said that the goal was to overturn the election. Uh, that was never the point, and it was never possible. I was very clear from the beginning that I was never attempting to overturn the objection. I was uh, the election. Okay. The problem for Holly, it's all on tape. Let's play one of Holly's greatest hits again. I just want to pin you down on, on what you're trying to do. You know, are you trying to say that as of January 20th, that President Trump will be president. Well, Brett, that, de- that depends on what happens on Wednesday. As Hawley did this week, he likes to say Democrats did the exact same thing that he did, objecting to election results. It happened in 2000, it happened in 2004, it happened in 2016. Yes, he's right. Now say it's going it, to be 2022. Let's head back in time, shall we? In 2017, several House Democrats tried to object to the certification of the vote in a number of states. No senator joined them. They were ruled out of order time and time again by someone whose personal preference was obviously not for Trump to become president. And yet... Debate is out of order. There's no debate. Objection cannot be entertained. 2005, this time two Democratic lawmakers, including a senator this time, objected to Ohio's electoral votes. It went no. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. When have you ever heard them talking about this? Now they're talking about this. 
Who's been talking about this? It just so happened that yesterday I dropped all the subpoenas talking about this shit. Now they're bringing it up. I want you to pay attention so you can see where SCOTUSgate is going because it's going to be the next little clip. So again, they're setting this shit up, right? They're setting this shit up. Pay attention. Pay attention. Just pay attention. Nowhere. And then all the way back in 2001, when a dozen members of the Congressional Black Caucus, as well as some other House Democrats, objected to the certification of Florida electoral votes, they were silenced by the Democrat who had lost that election. George W. Bush of the state of Texas has received for President of the United States 271 votes. Al Gore of the state of Tennessee has received 266 votes. May God bless our new president. There's a reason those objections made news at the time. They were unusual, controversial. There's also a reason you probably don't remember those objections happening, and that's because what Holly and his pals did is different more than a symbolic protest. They objected to the certification of electoral votes after an attack on the Capitol, and at the same time that the sitting president was refusing to concede. After the 2000 election, Bill Clinton welcomed the Bushes for the perfunctory visit that a president-elect makes to the White House. After 2016, the Obamas welcomed the Trumps for that perfunctory visit. After the 2020 election, Nada, right? There's no video because it didn't happen. In fact, in 2020, the sitting president and his allies were concocting a far-fetched but earnest plan to overturn the presidential election, laid out on paper in the Eastman memo. The plan was simply this. We had uh, over 100 congressmen and senators on Capitol Hill ready to implement the sweep. The sweep was simply that. We were going to challenge... The, the results of the election in the six battleground states. And then President Trump had been working the phones to urge state officials to just pull votes out of thin air. I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have. His resistance to reality championed by Hawley and many others in the Republican Party. Trump has not lost. Do not concede, Mr. President. Fight hard. At this point, we do not know. But we did know. Ted Cruz knew. Lindsey Graham knew. And so did Josh Hawley. He's a lawyer, did you know? Yale Law School. Clerked for the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. He is one smart Missouri cookie, betting on his supporters, buying his lies. Does anybody know which which uh, Supreme Court justice he clerked for? Does anybody know? Do you guys know? Before we go to the next clip. Guys, I have Patrick Berge blowing me up. Uh, who's going to sue Patrick Berge for defrauding them? Because uh, he's freaking out right now. I mean, he did it to himself, but he's freaking out right now, and he's blowing up my phone, and it's driving me insane, and I don't want to turn it off. Because I have to speak with my kids. Um, who's suing him for stealing money, coming to New York to work, but not working and raising money? I think that's, the, I mean, like I said to the person that came to me, you know, you can, you, I gave them everything I had, receipts for what, um, you know, we did. 
We know Bergie didn't work. We know Bergie left and we know he was still fundraising after he left saying that he was helping uh, people. So, um, uh, you know, I, I know that you guys are pissed off, but he's blowing up my phone now like an insane person. I'll, I just pray for him, please, please. So don't mind the tinging. See, ting, 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 ting. I can't even block him. Damn it. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Can't even get him off. All right, there we go. Here we go. Now, uh, did anybody find out who he um, clerked for? Does anybody know who he clerked for? All right, so now let's take a look at SCOTUS gate. Important legal decision to date in the investigation into January 6th, the Supreme Court giving a green light for the committee to get a hold of more than 700 documents from the Trump White House. The only justice to publicly dissent to that was Justice Clarence Thomas. And today, a new and blistering report in The New Yorker. It highlights how his wife, Virginia Jenny Thomas, has become a growing issue for the court. And I quote from it. It says, her political activism has caused controversy for years. For the most part, it has been dismissed as the harmless action of an independent spouse. But now the court appears likely to secure victories for her allies in a number of highly polarizing cases on abortion, um, affirmative action, gun rights. Uh, the author, Jane Mayer, joins me now. She is the chief Washington correspondent for The New Yorker. Jane, this piece is fascinating. And I was just saying she's been doing this for years, but now there may be some consequences for it. Good evening to you. You know, you lay out several conflicts of interest that Jenny Thomas uh, is really involved in. I just want to get more specific on some of those before you respond. Uh, but first, you title this piece, Is Jenny Thomas a Threat to the Supreme Court? Most people have never even heard of her name. So what's your answer to, to that question? Of course, we don't write the titles ourselves, but I, I hope people will read the piece and they can make up their own minds. I think that, um, you know, she's posing some really really disturbing questions about the court's independence and about her husband's independence um, politically from, from the activities she's involved in because she is actually engaged and has close ties to many of the cases that are before her husband's court. So let's lay out what the, some of the reasons why you ask this question, right? Is she a threat? Thomas has given out awards for conservative uh, group and, and some other uh, recipients have had or could have had business in front of the court. And you write this at the 2019 event, Jenny Thomas praised one, one of that year's recipients, Abby Johnson, a former Planned Parenthood employee who became an anti-abortion activist for her riveting indictment of Planned Parenthood's propagation of lies. That year, Thomas also gave a prize to Mark Meadows, then a hardline Republican in Congress, describing him as the leader in the House right now that we're waiting for. SCOTUS is facing a huge abortion case right now. Mark Meadows could end up before the court if he keeps fighting the subpoena. There are some of the biggest issues before the court right now. How alarmed is the legal community about her influence? I think quite. I mean, and that was one of the interesting things was talking to many of the most um, 
kind of respected experts on judicial ethics, people like Stephen Gillers at New York University, who's kind of the gold standard for this, who said, and he's always very cautious about what he said, but he said, what she's doing is reprehensible. And, and, and what he said was that it's hurting the administration of justice because when you look at the rules for how judges behave, it's not just that they are supposed to have no conflicts, but it's also considered just as important that they have no appearance of conflicts because the appearance of justice is important for the public's trust in the courts. Um, and, and this kind of behavior undermines it. And it's forbidden, really, for all the lower courts beneath the Supreme Court. There's a judicial code of ethics that, that binds the lower courts, but the justices in the Supreme Court um, hold themselves above the ethics code and um, say that it's, it's basically optional for them. So it's it's a it's a it's a really troubling situation, I think, for all the people that I've I've interviewed, and um, you know, I and it, it it's going to get more so as the court takes on these issues that are so explosive in front of the country, and it's it becomes so much the place where um, very very important policy decisions are made that are going to affect every American. That was a nice pregnant pause. Can you see how it's coming out now? Can you see what they're going for now? Can you see who they're targeting now? See, this is how they work. They will put it, you know, just little droplets of it. They will kind of start the conversation, right? And then they will go after it. See, these are the ways and operations that they work. Now, uh, I wanted to end with a little bit. Mm, uh, I wanted to show how um, Biden on Wednesday clapped back at a reporter for questions. I want you to listen to the answers. So now that I've introduced you to Skodaskate, I just want you to see of his clapback so that you can understand what's going on here. Because the commentary actually given on Fox News is pretty important that you called folks who would oppose those voting bills um, as being Bull Connor or George Wallace, but you said that they would be sort of in the, the same camp. No, uh, I didn't say that. Look what I said. Go back and read what I said and tell me if you think I called anyone who voted on the side of the position taken by Bull Connor that they were Bull Connor. And that is an interesting reading of English. You, you, I assume you got in the, in the journals because you like to write. Wow. President Biden responding to questions about his voter bill speech last week in Georgia. Here are some of those comments and his defense. The consequential moments in history, they present a choice. Do you want to be the side, the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Do you want to be on the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis? Anybody who listened to the speech, I did not say that there were going to be a George Wallace or a Bull Connor. I said we're going to have a decision in history that is going to be marked just like it was then. You either voted on the side, that didn't make you George Wallace or didn't make you Bull Connor. 
But if you did not vote for the Voting Rights Act back then, you were voting with those who agreed with Connor. Real Clear Politics White House reporter Philip Wegman is the guy who asked the president about those statements during the Wednesday press conference, or at least he tried to. Philip joins us now. He got a little angry at you. Why? (laughs) Well, this is a sensitive president, and clearly he doesn't appreciate scrutiny on the speech that he gave in Georgia. So when I asked him about the Bull Connor and George Wallace comparison, uh, he erupted before I could actually ask my question, which was, how does he expect to work with Republicans after he's laid out that binary? And frankly, the, the White House, they don't want to relitigate that speech at this point. And it is kind of a moot, uh, a moot point because uh, Republicans are walking away uh, thinking that the president did compare them to segregationists. And frankly, uh, it didn't work. It didn't sway uh, Senators Joe Manchin or Kristen Sinema to vote for the voting rights bills that uh, he has supported thus far. Yeah, if uh, if you're, you you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar, I guess is is the thing my mom might have said. Uh, he he just got so testy with you and, and didn't even allow you to finish the question. Yeah, and you you sort of expect that whenever you're talking to any president, and, and clearly I don't have to tell you this. I mean, when you talk to any politician and you you point back to some of their words, occasionally uh, that can get underneath their skin. But um, I don't think that anyone is crying any tears for me because the president was a little <laughs> bit gruff. Um, if the president wants to get testy during press conferences, uh, that's totally fine, so long as he has press conferences. And uh, I was glad to have the opportunity in his just second solo press conference at the White House. Yeah. Uh, then there are also uh, questions that the White House press team had to clean up about about the president's statement on the legitimacy of the upcoming elections, suggesting that, you know, if the election law that uh, the Senate rejected, the, the, the election bill that the Senate rejected, that he wanted passed, if that wasn't passed, he said the 2022 elections might not be legitimate. And then the White House had to go into all kinds of damage control over that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the the president was asked uh, whether or not he thought that the upcoming midterms were going to be legitimate. And uh, certainly uh, the the White House is expecting uh, a bit of a shellacking coming up in those midterms. But I don't think anyone uh, thought that the president was going to say uh, what he did, which is that he thinks that uh, it depends on whether or not he could get those laws through uh, the, the Senate. And so when I followed up with him just a short time later uh, to ask about the legitimacy of the 2022 midterms, he told me it could easily be illegitimate. And then he started talking about uh, former President Trump and some of the things that we saw last January. I steered the conversation back to the 2022 midterms specifically. And the president told me in no uncertain terms that he wasn't ready to say that it could be legit. The walk back did not come from the White House until the next day. Yeah. Uh, the, the former president, President Trump, likes to say that the 2020 elections were not legitimate. Uh, Joe Biden says they were, but now flips forward to 2022 and says they might not be. It, You know, voters have to feel a little um, queasy about going to the booth. Yeah. And this this administration has been making an argument for some time that democracy itself is at stake. And while the White House press secretary clarified the president's statements on Twitter here on Fox News during an interview and several times in the briefing saying that he does, in fact, believe that those uh, term elections will be legitimate. 
That came after Vice President Harris dodged on the question twice during two early morning interviews, and also after House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn, the guy who is is probably most responsible for making President uh, Biden president, he was asked on CNN whether or not he was concerned about the legitimacy of those midterms, and he responded that he absolutely was concerned. The president spent, you know, some time talking about um, the situation on the border uh, between Russia and Ukraine, but did not address the situation on our southern border, where fentanyl, for instance, is is flooding across and killing record numbers of Americans. Yeah, and I think that that might be um, something that the press has to own up on. Certainly, there were a lot of questions about what was happening on the Ukrainian border, and that is a legitimate issue, and all of the questions that were asked were certainly worthy. Uh, but after the press conference, I think it was um, Fox News's uh, Bill Belugan who, who noted that there wasn't a single question asked about what was going on on the southern border. And as you noted, there also weren't any questions about fentanyl, which is quickly becoming the leading cause of death uh, for adults in, in the United States between the ages of 18 and 34. Likewise, uh, the, the topic of rising crime in cities across the country didn't come up. And I, I think that, you know, as members of the press, we, we need to sort of own up to uh, that omission. Um, for, for me, though, uh, certainly I'm not immune from that, that criticism. Uh, my, my aim, though, was, was quickly to get him to, to follow up on, on the legitimacy question because I, yeah. I thought that was fundamental. But uh, certainly there were other questions that did not go addressed and probably should have. You certainly made some news in talking to the president this week. We'll see what happens the next time he holds a news conference. Philip Wegman, Real Clear Politics White House reporter. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Wait a minute. So Real Clear Politics is now on um, with White House credentials. That's interesting. Hence why the interesting showcasing of it. Now, uh, before we um, delve into the real sauce today, uh, we're going to take a super quick break and we'll be right back. Just wanna be the one you love 
And with your admission, you'd feel the same. I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of. Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. Well, we went a little bit old school. So um, I want to talk about something um, that's actually quite painful for me to talk about. Um, and this is because of, um, personal knowledge. Um, but before I do that again today, CNN, again, another freaking CNN quote, but this one with Anderson Cooper, it talks about president Trump's executive order. Damn. And I forgot to do it before the intermission. I wanted to show you the whole picture of what's coming now. Um, and what we're going to talk about afterwards, it's a little bit painful for me. Um, is, um, going to be coming to the surface, uh, when Trump is, um, officially back in office. So, um, before we get to that, Let's get to the final segment of what's coming. And this is about President Trump's executive order. December of 2020 to this. The former president ordering the military to seize voting machines, empowering the Defense Department to decide, along with the president's own director of national intelligence, whether the election he just lost was fair or not. Also directing the Justice Department to name a special counsel to oversee this effort, including the prosecution of potential election-related crimes, which his outgoing attorney general, as you may remember, had just said were inconsequential, if not non-existent. And the timetable for all this would have kept the former president in the White House for weeks beyond the end of his term in office. Now, those chilling items, all the stuff of coups in autocratic countries, are contained in a draft executive order, which was obtained by Politico and appears to be part of the massive batch of documents now in the hands of the House Select Committee on January 6. The committee says it now has all the White House records that the former president tried in court to keep secret. According to a court filing by the National Archives, which handed them over last evening, they also include, among other items, working papers from then Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, who the press secretary as well, and a White House lawyer who had notes and memos about the former president's effort to undermine the election. But it is this draft executive order which Politico published, which is so potentially telling, in part because the date, which was December 16th, fits pretty neatly into a series of related events that we watched play out at the time. And in addition, it meshes neatly into other reporting about testimony, other testimonies well, about what was happening behind the scenes at the time. And it fits into the larger scheme to overturn the election which, as you know, began with false predictions of fraud before the election and false allegations of fraud starting election night. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. We did win this election. 
So our goal now is to ensure the integrity for the good of this nation. This is a very big moment. This is a major fraud in our nation. And so it began just a few days later, November 9th. We saw him put his words into action. The headline, Barr clears Justice Department to investigate alleged voting irregularities as Trump makes unfounded fraud claims. Now, there followed one court challenge after another, all but one on a minor procedural matter the former president lost. Further, discrediting the former president's case, on December 1st, Attorney General Barr told the Associated Press, quote, we have not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome of the election. Now, on December 14th, Barr resigns to be replaced by an acting attorney general, whom the former president ended up scheming to replace because he, too, would not cooperate with plans to use the Justice Department to question election results. Now, the draft, just obtained by Politico, is dated December 16th. The title, Presidential Findings to Preserve, Collect, and Analyze National Security Information. The document begins by citing, and I quote, Evidence of international and foreign interference in the November 4, 2020 election. Dominion voting systems and related companies are owned or heavily controlled and influenced by foreign agents, countries, and interests. Now, that sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? That's because it echoes the false allegations being made by his motley team of election lawyers, including this one, Sidney Powell. So we have mathematical evidence in a number of states of massive quantities of Trump votes being trashed, just simply put in the trash like you would on your computer with any file, and uh, Biden votes being injected. That's addition to the flipping. President Trump won by a landslide. We are going to prove it, and we are going to reclaim the United States of America for the people who vote for freedom. Now... That that face of Sidney Powell, does that tell you that she's a fraud? She was emotional. She knew exactly what was going on, right? She knew exactly what was going on, and she was very upset, okay? She was, everybody knew what was going on, right? Everybody knew. And there were a lot of snakes there. They went into everybody, she is a patriot. She loves her country. People make mistakes. You trust the wrong people, right? People get told the wrong things by other people all the time. I mean, at the end of the day, why don't you just see it yourself? Sometimes it's best when people get together and actually talk because then they realize, uh, you know, where the mistake was made. There's always people in the middle causing shit and causing disruption and trying to shut shit down and whatever. She was sad. She was upset. She was ready to cry. So all of them <clears throat> that fought for this were attacked the most. Okay. They were attacked the most. They had people next to her uh, they had people around her. I'm glad she didn't mention me from the get-go. But now, as you can see, they're talking about the election fraud. Because the funny thing is that the January 6th committee is asking about January 6th. Well, then why are they fucking sending questions to people like Mayor Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell about the election fraud? Oh, looks like J6 isn't really about J6. So the thing is, is that they're starting to build this up. 
Oh, Justice Clara, uh, Clarence Thomas, his wife, she's she's a, she's a right wing. Let's start it. Uh, they start the story of, oh, he had this executive order of foreign influence. That shit's been going on forever. And watch me open that. Like I said, I'm going to release the Kraken. And I said that in 2020, months before the elections. I have Pandora's box. And my questions are the box. And my questions are putting you right where you are. So hence, getting that little hack on my Tesla was no big deal. I'm pretty sure Tesla will take care of it. I'm pretty sure it will. I know it will. Because message received, and if it was from someone good telling me that there's a vulnerability, that'll get fixed too, right? That's the way it is. It's now out in the open. You can't use that. And yeah, guys, guys, you keep trolling me about my cat. I mean, he's like desperate. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) So I want you guys to see how they're starting to set it up. It's January 22nd. I told you that by the end of February, right around when, when CPAC's happened, oh, it's just going to blow. It's just going to be like, whoosh. So it's really important that we focus, okay? All the people that we thought were fighting for us or not, there's a lot of people that are running for the hills right now trying to cut deals, right? Oh, I couldn't get Sydney Powell to do this because she's going to come out clean, I'm pretty sure. And I know Rudy Giuliani is going to be fine. I know Patrick Byrne is going to be fine. I know that Mike Lindell is going to be fine. I know that Lynn Wood's going to be fine. Everyone is going to be fine because they did not have any intention to hurt anyone. They had no intention to cause any harm. Their intention was simply as people to fight for their country. That is the bottom line because for some reason the people have no standing because there's something stupid called the general grievance doctrine. We need to fix that shit, right? So, and we have people that are in office that have no balls. Like where are the secretary of states? All of them bought and sold, but we knew that because the AFL-CIO told us that. Where are the electors? We knew that because the AFL-CIO told us that. Like we all know that. Like it's not rocket science. We know, we know. So they're setting it up now and they bring who Lincoln project to uh, his reaction to it. Come on, look at this woman's reaction and what she said again. We are going to prove it and we are going to reclaim the United States of America for the people who vote for freedom. She said there was the trashing and then there were the injections and then there was the flipping. None of that was true when she said it on November 19th. It almost, I mean, it seems ridiculous now, but people still believe it. Nor was it true when this draft order was dated December 16th. But the conspiracy theory at the heart of it became the basis for the order that we're seeing for the first time tonight, which concluded with seven directives. The first, quote, effective immediately, the Secretary of Defense shall seize, collect, retain, and analyze all machines, equipment, electronically stored information and material records required for retention under United States Code Title 42, Sections 1T74, 1T74E. Item 5 says, quote, the Secretary of Defense may select by name or by unit federalization of appropriate National Guard support. Now, again, if the language, this time calling for the military seizure of voting machines, rings a bell, well, listen to this from December 17th. He could immediately, on his order, seize every single one of these machines around the country on his order. He could also order, he could order the, the um, in, within the swimming states, if he wanted to, he could take 
military capabilities, and he could place them in those states and basically rerun an election in each of those states. He was once a respected general, like actually respected. A day later, he met with the former president reportedly to discuss this, which happens to be the guts of the draft order. You know, with him, Sidney Powell, and a businessman named Patrick Byrne, who blogged about the meeting, quoting him now, I spoke up again, Mr. President. I think you should appoint Sidney Powell, your special counsel on these election matters, and make General Flynn your field marshal over the whole effort. Can you imagine that? Wow. Sidney Powell, special counsel, General Finn, field marshal. He would probably get to wear a uniform that he could design himself or maybe his son. Back to the draft order. Item seven calls for, quote, the appointment of a special counsel to oversee this operation and institute all criminal and civil proceedings as appropriate based on the evidence collected and provided all resources necessary to carry out her duties consistent with federal laws and the Constitution. So they're using legalese language, but this is just, it's just batshit. Excuse me. Uh, I actually didn't mean to say that. It is, uh, it's insane. So was that a reference to Sidney Powell? We don't know. Nor do we know who wrote the unsigned draft or officially at least why it was never formally issued. What we do know is the former president's efforts to overturn the election using the Justice Department continued. And then when that failed, to enlist Republican lawmakers and try to get his vice president on board, potentially using the riot to force his hand, which will be for the select committee, of course, to determine. They'll now have all those documents, including the draft Politico obtained. They've already subpoenaed Powell, Flynn, and Rudy Giuliani. They're also seeking to talk to Ivanka Trump. And that's all on top of all the other legal setbacks for the former president in what has been a very consequential week. George, I... I, um, all right, let's 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 stop one second. So there was an executive order that no one had seen, that it was never published, that um, was put together by someone. Nobody knows. It was drafted. So there was a lawyer that did it that said that this is what we need to do. This is how we're going to get it done, right? And uh, that was uh, the idea. But in November... When, you know, everyone was like, we need to do this. I was like, no, what you need to do is go to Alaska, right? Ask them very nicely to get the router data, right? And then you're going to see where everything went and how it happened. And once you have that, then you can analyze the numbers. You can see what's happening, right? I said this live, right? You can see what's happening. And then you can see what else you can do. Other than that, you don't do anything because it will be constituted as illegal, right? Because it will be seen as illegal or an authority grab. Because when you have leftists out there, right, and globalists, that would look as a grab attack. I mean, yes, this is, this is something and this is how it would be seen. So all you have to do is say, all right, I as the president am authorizing you to take those in the uncontested state and look at the router data and analyze it right now while it's stuck. And from there, I'll make my assessment, which is reasonable. Nobody can say he went and confiscated shit, right? He would have military. There would be a million people, a million cameras, everybody watching, and that's it. But instead, someone decided to take it a step further. And what Anderson Cooper is saying is correct. So what happened is people hijacked this nice movement to turn it into something like a riot so they can force President Trump's hand to do it. But President Trump didn't bite. 
He had his amazing attorney, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, saying, no, no, that's not what you do. Even if they did all this shit, this is not something you do. And that's the way it is. So the question is, who was the one who were the ones, like, you know, that are friends with people like George Conway? Like, why would you even put him on there? Like, that's embarrassing, Anderson Cooper, especially the fluff stash you have too. So weird. You know, I always thought he was just hairless. It just looks really weird when you see him on camera up close with the little hairs on his mustache. Anyway. So, um, so the question is, we have this amazing Patriot day, <clears throat> which you could smell from a mile away. It was going to be horrible. I expected a bloodbath. So I'm glad it wasn't, um, I knew that they were storming something. I knew from the from the calls from the uh, uh, you know domestic terror cells that we have, where they're training the youth, that they were going to be entering government buildings. I didn't know which one, and um, I, uh, I I I was trying to figure out who was funding to escalate it, right? To escalate it, because. The one thing is, it's nice. It's peaceful. I mean, that gives you more of a of a of a base, right? To say, yeah, um, it's nice and peaceful. The people are requesting this. We need to do it. Pelosi and Mike Pence actually work together, so they knew that um, on the day that they were going to be uh, counting the votes or whatever before that. Uh, yeah, no, it was, yeah, on, on January 6th, they knew on January 5th in the evening, um, that there was going to be filing done, uh, for a lawsuit on that day. And a lawsuit was being filed in the Supreme Court in an emergency. Uh, you know, Pelosi knew and she and Pence knew. And if you actually go back and see the interaction between Pelosi and Pence, You'll see that they communicated together like, all right, let's go forward with this shit. And, and, and they, they dropped the ball. They let it happen. And this is why they went back at night, you know, to get shit done. They knew it. They knew it. So a lot of rumors were planted afterwards. I mean, I remember, um, I was actually told while my room was being tossed up that Gina Haspel was shot. And I was like, there's no way she's playing for the people. She's one of the worst people when it comes to torture. And we'll talk about that after this segment here. Um, uh, I mean, there's always room for redemption, but what... Um, but sometimes it's like... You know, people that have undergone torture, no matter how long ago it has been or anything, they, you know, they can't sometimes, right? So anyway, um, they betray the country and they work together to bring it to a position where they can actually get him. Everything they threw at him, they lost. He built this nation. He was taking power back to the U.S., even, the U even though the U.S. had forfeited. You know, Obama was the one that was selling the U.S. to China in 2011. He said, China, we're open. Start buying our property. So, again, um, these people are sick. I, I bleeded out an expletive, uh, uh, which I didn't mean to do, because I am really, I don't know why this particular 
memo, this particular draft so stuns me after yeah. all the Michigas we have seen. I read your reaction on Twitter to the draft of an executive order, which was, quote, I can't even. Um, I'm going to try to, right. to, to ask and, you and to... words can't. <laughs> so, I mean, what does it say that the idea that the, the military seizing voting machines was actually being discussed and put into this memo as if it was a real thing? I mean, it's like the crazies are inside I, the been, wire. I, I've been struggling all day to think of the words that can convey exactly how, and you use the word, I won't repeat it, how bananas this was and how crazy it was, how insane it was, how lunacy, what lunacy it was. And you have to kind of square all those words or cube them and, and add them all together. And you still don't quite get enough. This was absolute banana republic stuff. It was absolutely no one writing this document or taking this document in my document seriously in my view could have been of sound mind i mean the document is just i mean the, the notion that you could do this in the united states of america for one thing is just insane but when you actually take the document apart into its constituent pieces it's even more insane i mean they, they cite these uh, federal statutes that just have nothing to do with and nothing to do with 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 seizing voting machines we don't remotely allow that and 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 then they say that the military can do that which would be a complete violation of the the the, the, the federal law to use the uh, the the military for civilian uh, and law enforcement purposes it's just crazy all around and the idea of of you know Poor General Flynn, you know, salivating the idea of becoming a field marshal and getting, you know, to walk around in a uniform and, and Sidney Powell as special counsel in it's in this imaginary yeah. universe. Right. And, and the notion that these people were, I think, in the Oval Office. Yes, I remember, that's I so crazy. In the New York Times, they were in the Oval Office having these screaming matches with lawyers who were just. <laughs> having probably the same reaction we're having, except like they're actually having to deal with Donald Trump. The notion that someone, that, that, that anybody could take this seriously would raise real questions about their own uh, state of mind. I mean, I think one of the, one of the hidden things, and I think I want write, to write a column about it next week, uh, uh, the, about what the January 6th committee is doing or has to do is to start talking about, you know, the need to, Reform the 25th Amendment, which deals in part with presidential, which deals in part with presidential disability, including mental disability. The notion that Donald Trump was listening to these people and taking them seriously, it, and, and the notion that these people got even within a mile of the West mm. Wing is Okay, so here's where we go. See, this is where I want to, yeah, there we go again, that he's talking to these people. See, this is where they're starting to build this narrative now right? They're starting to build this narrative because I saw the narrative from the way that Dominion responded to the lawsuit. And this is where it goes down, but you can't fucking hide from the truth. You can say whatever you want, because when you're scared of actually talking about the facts, right? And you're just going straight to, oh, it's piece of trash. Don't listen, right? That means you don't want to hear what they have to say. See, they're saying that, but no judge can read my affidavit and say it sounds like bullshit because everything's cited and sourced. 
<laughs> so, you know, we have all of that. We have their plans. We have their backup plan if Trump actually defeated them, right? We have it all. And if he actually found those votes, they'd be like, well, they're uncertified machines. You want. So I knew exactly their plan, what they were going to do, and how they were going to defeat it if for some reason they failed and got caught, right? If they failed and got caught. They did the same shit in 2004. They still got caught because the Republicans stole it from John Kerry. Now, if anyone sits here and says, the left stole the elections. Dude, the Republican Party that we have right now in office, the majority, I would say 90%, are people just like Kanye. They are the Lincoln Project, the McCainers, right? The Lindsey Grahams, who is being situated right now, as you saw, his face has been dealt with, right? All of these people are cut from the same cloth. The Republicans have always been taking this whole program was deployed under Bush. Okay. This whole program was deployed under Bush. What you thought the Republican party is, is no longer. That's the problem. The, the, the Democrats were always the freaking little minions of the Republicans, but the Republicans gave them so much power that the UN infiltrated. And now they're coming with their Green New Deals and their social civility and their globalism, you know, because they thought they were smart. It's like, dude, you've got one foot in the grave. Where are you going? You're going to expire faster than you can say the word expire. Okay. Where are you going? You haven't even groomed an idiot in your place because they're way too smarter. See, the next generation are the Gen Xers, not the boomers, the Gen Xers. And the Gen Xers give zero fucks. So they had to skip right over them and go to the kids because you can't get a Gen Xer to eat bullshit that easy. I'm sorry. You could get a millennial, people born after 1985-ish. They're a little bit dumb. Okay. They're a little bit dumb right? Gen Xers had no tech. Suddenly they had tech. They're the most adaptable. And guess what? They could do with and without, and they give zero fucks pretty much. So they needed to skip over that generation. The ones that they couldn't buy, that is, they needed to skip over. So they're telling you exactly what their plan is. It just happens, you know, lawsuits going forward and they know they're not going to be able to skip it now. And while people are like, oh my God, nee, nee, nee. You know, a lot of people are like, oh my God, Dominion. It's like, I can eat Dominion for lunch. Dominion sat there. Boy, ah, I'm, I, if anybody finds that clip, because I know it's on a hard drive, um, the clip where John Poulos comes out, he's like, yeah, in 2000, like, what was it? 18, 16, he said 14. I don't remember. He changes the date all the time. He created Dominion out of da -na 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 -na. He even sent me a letter talking shit about hardness. It's like, listen, bitch. Okay. Your machines were where the U.S. Postal Service uh, Union from the AF AFL-CIO decided to deploy their things. Hence why you're being targeted. All the machines are targeted. Every single one of them are targeted because they have to work in concert. In concert. In concert. There's three factors in order to steal an election. One, you got to fiddle with the numbers. Two, you got to fiddle with the reporting numbers. And th three, you got to fiddle with the people. And so all of those are going to be coming out. Okay. I'm Gen X. I give zero fucks. And that's the way it is. And if people can't see that they were played by their own people, right? They thought 
the Lincoln Project did a lot of work and they lost a lot of money. Well, they spent a lot of money. I wouldn't say, well, they, they haven't lost it yet, right? They need to lose it a little bit later. But they, they spent a lot of money getting this done, okay? They spent a lot of money getting this to be escalated. They spent a lot of money to get someone shot. They spent a lot of money to have cameras, to have feds. They spent a lot of money. And this is D.C., there's a camera for every square inch. Okay. Every square inch. So listen to how he closes. Just, I want to put the last few seconds of what he says. Donald Trump was listening to these people and taking them seriously. It, and, and the notion that these people got even within a mile of the West mm. Wing is completely bananas. And one of the things that the, they ask about in all of these, do, a lot of these document requests, this is January 6th committee, is about the 25th Amendment and the mental state of the president. And I think this, this, this all raises those questions. You know, he would took this seriously? So now you understand why I was sequestered. The president didn't listen to me. President never got my information, never got Millie's information, never had, well, you know, there's no paper trail that anybody had my information. How's that? So I was sequestered in a basement. We're all good now. So no matter what anybody says, it's like George Conway's got big problems. I mean, remember who got him elected? That's right. Kellyanne Conway and her husband hated President Trump. Easy bugging of the phone, easy tracking of everything. So the question is, why? Because you know, and you're like, let's go. This is the way it has to be. It had to be this way. That's, that's how you fix things when you know how it had to be. See, everyone was banking on Hillary Clinton winning. They never thought she would lose. They always were banking that John Brennan would bring this shit home and he would make it happen. <laughs> but he didn't. He didn't. No one expected that Gina Haspel would be appointed. Oh, that was a left-wing thing. So what was their plan after that, right? See, every th everyone is on a script. Every single person is writing, reading a script or they're reading a teleprompter, right? That's what they're doing. They're all reading a script. They're on a script. They're reading a of a teleprompter. So they're all on a script. They're all reading from a, a teleprompter. Who's controlling the message? That's the question you should ask yourself. Just ponder on that for a bit. Who is controlling the message if they're reading from a teleprompter? Who's putting the message together? Who's handing out the scripts? Now, I want to talk about stuff that I don't like talking about. And it on December 7th, there was discussion about um, Biden uh, getting rid of uh, a lot of uh, detainees. And uh, the detainees from Gitmo are to be released. Uh, and I want you to see what Ted Cruz had to say. I just want you to see what he had to say uh, during uh, the hearing in December. Take a listen. Thank you, Madam Chair. For more than a decade, there has been a focus by Barack Obama 
and Joe Biden and their administrations, a focus that I find as inexplicable as it has been catastrophic, on freeing terrorists from American detention. In 2009, the Obama-Biden foreign policy team decided to close the detention facility at Camp Bucha in Iraq. By 2014, as ISIS was forming, it became clear that over a dozen of the group's top leaders had been freed from Camp Bucha. Those included Abu Baker al-Baghdadi, his deputy, and Abu Muhammad al-Julani, the founder of al-Nusra Front. Having learned nothing, that same team repeated the exact same mistakes, this time with the Bagram prison in Afghanistan, as part of the administration's catastrophic withdrawal. Now, the images that Americans remember of that catastrophe are of chaos and carnage. Over 100,000 Afghans, many of them unvented and unvettable, loaded onto airplanes to be deposited into the United States. Taliban terrorists overrunning U.S. and Afghan army positions, seizing unaccountable numbers of advanced weapons and technology and parading them for global audiences. And of course, the August 26th terrorist attack on the Kabul airport, in which an ISIS-K bomber killed 13 American service members. What is less well known is that that bomber had been imprisoned in the Bagram prison, which until that summer had been under American control. The Biden administration made a conscious decision, again inexplicably, to abandon that critical position, and with it the high-security prisoners housed there. Having still apparently learned nothing, releasing terrorists, seeing them killing Americans, releasing more terrorists, seeing them killing more Americans, the Biden administration is talking about doing it again. Now they're talking about closing the facility at Guantanamo Bay. I think before that's even contemplated, we should have some sense of the toll that these catastrophic decisions have had. For instance, the Washington Post, hardly a right-wing organ, has reported, quote, at least 12 detainees released from the detention camp at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, have launched attacks against U.S. or allied forces in Afghanistan, killing about a half dozen Americans. So you have terrorists freed at Camp Bucha, Americans murdered. You have ter terrorists freed from Guantanamo, Americans murdered. You have terrorists freed from Bagram, Americans murdered. And now the Biden administration wants to free more terrorists. And we know to an absolute medical, metaphysical certainty the result of that will be more Americans murdered. I want to ask the witnesses, I recognize that the Biden administration declined to send a government official charged with explaining the administration's policy. But let me ask all the witnesses assembled here, does, does anyone on the panel know a full account of the number of terrorists who were released from Camp Bucha that went on to fight for ISIS or the al-Nusra front? So we don't have that information. All right, how about this? 
Does anyone know an accurate count of the number of U.S. servicemen and women that have been murdered by individuals we've set free from Camp Buka, from Bagram, or from Guantanamo? So we don't know how many servicemen and women have been murdered, but yet the Biden administration is preparing to go down this road once again. And it's worth noting that the, that the terrorists we find returning to the battlefield are just some of the ones we've released. There's good reason to suspect they're not the only ones who've returned to violence and terrorism. Before we free more terrorists, we should get to know where the past ones have gone and where future ones are likely to go. Uh, Professor Jaffer, is there a rough estimate of where the terrorists freed from U.S.-run facilities have gone? And, and to what extent and what level are those numbers tracked? So, uh, Senator Cruz, uh, I think the answer is that with respect to the terrorists that we transfer to other countries, we have security assurances from those countries for some period of time. Those security assurances are not forever. Uh, as uh, Mr. Simpson correctly laid out, uh, they're negotiated typically on a one-to-one -one or, or one-to-few basis. Um, but those we have a sense of. But once they go out from those security assurances, we don't know where they are. And the others that we've released, um, we don't necessarily know where everyone ends up. What we do know uh, to a certainty is that 33%, uh, is that roughly 32%, 31.5%, are either, have either returned to the fight, are known to have returned to the fight, or suspected of it. Those are statistics from the Director of National Intelligence, so we know that, um, and that's a real problem. So if you think about the 700-whatever-odd number of people that have been released from Gitmo, 229 have either returned to the fight or suspected of returning to the fight somewhere on the globe. Wow. Okay, final question. Of the 39 detainees that remain at Guantanamo Bay, roughly 20 are from nations without a fully functioning government. 14 of them are from Yemen, where enormous swaths of the country are ruled by terrorists. To what extent, Professor Jaffer, are such countries able to track and secure terrorists and prevent them from murdering Americans? They are not able, which is exactly why we cannot transfer to those countries. Thank you. Thank you, Senator. Uh, the DNI, Director of National mm. Intelligence, assesses that That's, only 5%, 5 of detainees That's, transferred since 2000. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Technical difficulty. My cat was um, tangled in my... <laughs> I sound like such a cat lady sometimes. All right. So as you can see, there are um, reports of people uh, of Biden closing down Gitmo. So I want to show you some an older video first. And this talks about things that, you know, are really, really hard. Michael Hayden... Um, is a very, very evil man. He has lied to Congress many times in regards to the extent of the torture. Um, um, the information that he had presented as testimony was completely contrary to what actual agency records held. Um, that um, was presented in the Senate Intel Committee. And 
I'm going to tell you the story of a guy named um, Janak Gul, right? Um, Janak Gul was, uh, was a guy um, and a foreign ally um, in July of 2004 um, was detained by the CIA. It was from Pakistan, not Afghanistan. Um, he was he was thought to have information about election fraud in the 2004 election. So Condoleezza Rice, Condi, um, had given the go-ahead to Tenet to use all approved terror torture techniques. He was begging to die. The guy turned out not to have any information. He just happened to be in the wrong place. And we're going to be talking about the 2004 fraud during my case. He was a random guy who happened to be somewhere. And um, uh, they, they took him. He was tortured in the worst way you can imagine. The guy was begging to die, right? He was hallucinating. Um, well, let's just watch this clip before we get into the details. In the weeks after 9-11, the, the biggest, biggest fear, fear gripping, gripping the nation was another attack around the corner. Inside the CIA, an obsession. To prevent another catastrophic attack on the homeland. John Rizzo was one of the CIA's top lawyers. How would the agency find out if another attack was coming? The CIA worried one al-Qaeda operative in their custody could tell them, Abu Zubaydah, but he wasn't talking. In his new book, Rizzo writes one of the methods they wanted to try on Zubaydah, waterboarding. <laughs> Depicted in the movie Zero Dark Thirty. Of the rest of the Saudi group. That wasn't the only enhanced interrogation technique they wanted to try. In his book, Rizzo writes of something called the insult slap and cramped confinement, where in Zubeda's case, they'd make him curl up in a small box and place an insect in it. Quote, why an insect? The response, Zubeda hates bugs. It'll be something harmless, but he won't know that. John Rizzo says he was speechless over these ideas and had the power to squelch them. He didn't. The reason? The CIA had just been slammed for being asleep at the switch before 9-11. If there was a second 9-11 in the works, if Zubeda knew about it and the CIA hadn't gotten the intelligence from him, Rizzo worried, quote, I could not countenance the thought of having to live with that. Look, with 2020 hindsight, he should have said no. But when he made the decision, people told him that you've got to look at the legality of this in terms of more Americans are going to die if we don't do something. Rizzo punted to the Justice Department, which green-lighted some of the techniques. Zubeda started talking. Rizzo says waterboarding and other enhanced interrogation techniques provided key intelligence leading to the capture of top al-Qaeda operatives. Former CIA officer Bob Baer disagrees with that, saying Abu Zubeda had previously said he would start to make things up if he was ever brought under those interrogation techniques. Zubeda is believed to have given some good information and some false leads. Neither the CIA nor George Tenet, who was CIA director at that time, would comment on John Rizzo's book. Wolf All right, Brian. Thank so let me tell you um, the story of Gal, uh, of Gul, Yanat Gul. Um, there's a guy named um, 
let's go to the to the Pentagon. The Pentagon at the time had a an agency, a business transformative agency. They were working with um, many companies overseas to implement an idea that they came up with in 1999. They found really good programmers, and so they tested it in the United States. You're not Gould, not saying, you know, he was just an, you know, uh, a foreign guy that happened to be rolling around with the wrong people, but he was in the wrong place. In the place where some people knew about um, election software. And um, he was detained because someone who accidentally may have said something, but the guy never heard it, um, you know, um, uh, is, is guilty. So, you know, we have a lot of black sites. Um, I think he was in uh, Romania. Um, even the people that were interrogating him said that he knew nothing about a pre-election threat in 2004. Um, but they were constantly interrogating him. He went through 47 hours of standing. He wasn't allowed to sit, right? He would be seeing things. Um, and there was a, a lot, um, you know, of noise. Um, you know, we use white noise, um, in interrogation sometimes to distract. Um, they use techniques that you would not believe. You know, when they submitted a report saying, hey, you know, yeah, he was, you know, put in a 47-hour standing, you know, thing, and he was taken to his cell. He was allowed to take off his diaper, right? This grown man wearing a diaper. He was given a towel and a meal, but they didn't say how they gave him the meal. I'm going to tell you how they gave him the meal. They give you a meal that's liquefied, right? Um... And they liquefy all your food, your hummus, your meat, and then they rectally force feed you. They force feed you rectally where, you know, suddenly you're having rectal anal prolapse, um, fissions. So they'll rectally feed you. And... That is the biggest torture and most demeaning torture someone can give someone. Pakistan, who has one of the most stealthiest intelligence agencies, said this last year in 2021. I want you to listen to it carefully because uh, the audio is a little bit... Mm, okay, here we go. This is impossible to believe that uh, he was isolated close to the barracks and close to the army and etc. So, I understand your answer, but honestly... <laughs> no, I think... I, I certainly... I, I certainly would like to react to this. I mean, after all, slippages or poor performance by the intelligence are possible. If you reflect back to 9-11, how is it that 18 people were being trained for months and CIA was asleep? the most powerful organization? Okay. How was it? How was it? 
How was it that four aircrafts, four airliners are being hijacked from four different airfields and a CIA doesn't know? How is it that three of them go into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, CIA is asleep? So let us allow ISI to have been sleeping once at least. CIA was not asleep. They needed data. They needed your data. They needed to bring it up. When I tell you Gina Haspel was one of the most atrocious when it came to torture, I mean it. So um, the CIA's source, whoever they were, had said that this guy, Anat Gull, had knowledge of the pre-election threat, right? He was subjected to sleep deprivation, auditory overload. He was rectally fed, begging to die. There was a guy named Rachman, right? Gul Rachman, who was subjected to the same things. He died while being questioned. No one was held accountable for that. You know, a lot of people judge um, Bradley Manning, uh, Chelsea Manning, sorry, now, walked in a man, got out a woman, that tells you everything you need, who posted pictures and information. There are people, and there are people that I brought close, you know, that had no problem doing things like this to human beings. They considered them dogs uh, because they were enemies. They had made them insane in Iraq. The reason that was closed was because the UN said, listen, we said we're going to be taking over. This is not happening. This is going to expose us. This is going to be a problem, right? They were just too out in open. So I've told you before that the United States has a lot of bilateral immunity agreements and uh, alleged allies. I've done a whole show on how the ISI is one of the best intelligence, uh, you know, operatives on the planet. I've also told you that ISI has a basement in Eric Holder's freaking law firm, right? With their own people there. <clears throat> but when the UN had made a deal of how this Iraq, Libya, and Syria thing was going to go, right? Obama had let that go a little bit too much after Bush. Bush had done a lot, but Obama had done it worse. Um, Obama kind of cleaned up certain areas, but he, he let a lot. Like, I cannot believe anyone believed that Bush was a good president. So many atrocities happened under him. It's disgusting. Interrogators knew that this guy had no information, yet they held him for such a long period of time. And um, in the end, they allege that he was transferred to a foreign government and nobody knows where he went. Right. It's just some guy that was in the wrong place that knew what Bush was planning with the elections because they had tested it somewhere else. This isn't fun.
And I know a lot of people, oh, he's labeled as a terrorist. You know, we were just doing our job. You treated him like an animal. You are an animal, right? It doesn't matter how evil the other person is, right? You never, ever do that. Bush. <sighs> Disgusting. Remember, I played that clip so many times where they had a list of all the countries that Bush was going to take out, uh, you know, once he got into office, right? They, they, they get marching orders. The UN tells them how they're going to do it and the UN will sanction and allow it. Again, I've so many times stressed the thing that down in Libya right now, we have Tripoli that's acknowledged as the only government of Libya, which is one little city. Um, and you know, the rest is under Libyan control of the people of Libya, but no one wants to say that because the UN said so. You have to be looking at who the enemy really is sometimes and pay attention to what they want to cover up. Because if you knew, if you knew the atrocities that have been committed with your money and in the name of freedom, which is, was never the case, it is horrific. And the thing is, the quelling of all these uprisings overseas in many nations, Africa, Middle East, Far East, were all done by people who knew what their plan was and were reluctant to do it. I mean, you saw the Pakistani guy. He was like, come on, man, we're believing that they're falling asleep. The question is, then why are you letting them do it? Because they're not in control either. This is spiritual warfare on the people of America to wake up because this nation needs to wake up and hold them accountable for what they do. Evil things. Evil things. Really evil things. I want you to listen to an ABC report on these evil things. The urgent warning tonight, U.S. embassies, U.S. military all put on alert, bracing for a possible violent backlash, a top secret report about to be revealed inside how the CIA tortured prisoners. Let's get right to ABC's chief global affairs correspondent, Martha Raddatz. And Martha, we're going to hear some very graphic detail about what happened. And in some cases, even when there was no information gleaned. That's right, David. It's why those diplomatic and military facilities around the globe are bracing for potential violence targeting Americans because the report is that explosive. Despite the risk, the White House said today it supports the release of the report, described as extremely graphic, with shocking detail about waterboarding and other interrogation methods the CIA conducted during the dark days after 9-11. As one person familiar with the report said, it will sound bad. It is harsh. Torture sometimes continuing even after interrogators concluded there was no more information to gain. Waterboarding, the simulated drowning demonstrated here, was halted years ago. But the majority Senate Intelligence Committee findings conclude that the CIA misled the Bush administration about the methods and the results of the coercive interrogation conducted at so-called black sites outside of the U.S. The former president is standing by the CIA. These are patriots. And uh, whatever the report says, if it diminishes their contributions to our country, it is way off base. 
The CIA argues that waterboarding was key, not only in stopping future plots against America, but finding Osama bin Laden. There's going to be disagreement at the end of the day about the value of this information. President Obama has not said definitively whether he thinks torture worked, but today the White House said even if it did, the president does not believe it was worth it. And Martha, we heard from former President Bush there. Now we're learning that Vice President Dick Cheney is also weighing in. He certainly is, David. He told the New York Times tonight that the harsh interrogations were, quote, absolutely, totally justified, dismissing accusations in the Senate report that it was a rogue operation as a bunch of hooey. But make no mistake, David, there are things in this report that will shock many Americans. All right. Martha Raddatz standing by for that report. So, um... So when there's when there's information and credible threats to the nation, people will go to lengths, especially if 100 million people will die. Right. Um, but I'm not talking about, you know, psychos. Right. I'm not talking about psychos. I'm talking about Janat Gul. Someone has to ask themselves. OK, ask yourself something very carefully. Why would someone in Pakistan have information about election theft in 2004, which we know happened because the guy that was running all the anti-John Kerry sites and doing all the George Bush websites and the servers that were moved and the companies that the DOD was paying to test the software out that they got from that other alleged country, right? They got caught. Michael Connell died in an airplane crash before they can fucking charge him for orchestrating this. So again, again, right? You need to ask yourself, what's going on here? We had the Seth Rich stuff happen, right? What was the what was it that he was talking about when he got killed? Election fraud. See, when you when you talk about torture of putting someone in a cell and interrogating them and trying to ask questions, right? Uh, you know, you would say, well, you know, if they're going to kill 100 million people, we need to know, we need to fix it, we need to get ahead of it, we need to do this. I get it, but what they did to a lot of people was just animalistic and disgusting. So let's not talk about the really crazy ones. And let's not talk about their own asset, Usama, right? Let's talk about the same topic that we've been talking about, elections. Why would a Pakistani have to be tortured in Romania and then brought down to another black site in the United States and be anally and rectally fed just in case he knew they kept him until the elections were done. So the elections that you know now were even stolen by the Republicans. So Bush was torturing this guy to find out what he knew, right? Because of election theft. Okay. This is a very big deal. And there is paper trail on this shit. There is paper trail that they were paying this company a couple hundred thousand dollars, right? Okay. This is your former CIA director, former undersecretary of the department of defense. Uh, and they're all, and now one of them is a chancellor at a university and the other one, huh? Opened up this company called Cerebus investment capital, <laughs> you know, the crazy dog. Right. And so these guys tested out the election software with our tax dollars. And guess what? 
This company didn't have a company. It was a fucking house. So how did, you know, half a million U.S. taxpayer dollars get a check sent to a fucking house in the name of a company that was never an American company within the United States? I urge you to go to my Telegram channel and read the actual subpoenas because they've been attached as a page. And I want you to see the questions that I'm asking for specifically. Now, obviously, I will not raise the torture questions. That's up to the prosecutors to do. My job is to clear the defamation and get my shit on the record. Okay? But what I'm trying to show you is this is bigger than you can imagine. These people are dangerous. These people will stop at nothing to hide the crimes that they have done. The election was nothing. They've been doing it for forever and a day. They planned that. The question is, how long are we going to let them get away with it? How long are we going to sit there and follow to the beat of their drum? I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. Okay. I don't care. The bottom line is your voice means nothing. You're a slave with the illusion that you're free until things like, you know, um, pandemics happen. And then you suddenly bend the knee so you can help them take you out faster. You give up more freedoms in the name of fear. They use that plan with, you know, whole CIA. They could be everywhere. They killed JFK. They took out so many people. They planned so much shit and they didn't see that they were training terrorists for airplanes. And in New York, one building gets hit. The other one just comes 20 minutes later. No big deal. We're just going to hit the next building. Nobody shoots it down. Nobody sees it coming. Nobody does anything like that, right? They just let it hit. And then the Pentagon gets hit. And then we have a controlled demolition of another building that was actually proven. It's not a conspiracy theory. University of Alaska already came out with it. Yet the CIA was sleeping on all these things. And they have, well, you know, explosion proof passports that fly out of windows unscathed down thousands of feet to the ground and happen to be, you know, what, in a plastic bag and unscathed and bomb proof passport. This is, these are, these are truths. You know, nobody can say that these are actual, um, conspiracy theories. We've run out of those right now. Our focus is the elections. Why? Because an election is where your voice is being heard. And the fact that your voice isn't being heard is a very big deal. And this is what we need to focus on. I don't care if you're left. I don't care if you're right. They're coming with that racist stuff. This is the only reason why I'm going for secretary of state. Oh, it's racist to have ID. People can't read. They can't register. Black people are dumb, right? Isn't that what Stacey Abrams says with the gap, right? Oh, they're all stupid and they're all dumb. And, you know, they, they need this. And Biden's thumping on that, too, that everyone's stupid, right? Everyone's retarded. But I got to focus on the elections, just like all of us have to focus on that, because 2020 needs to be fixed. 2020 needs to be fixed. And the same, what about 2016? Well, if you read my affidavits, it kind of gives it away of what happened in 2016. A lot of people don't want to believe it. 
You know why? Because they're going to be like, oh my God, I was trashing the only person that was actually really fighting, like fighting in the dark, getting trashed left and right. And I was fighting. And, and, and let me, let me make this straight. Okay. There's a lot of people that I've gone after personally and trashed and had to eat serious humble pie and apologize because I thought they were on the wrong side too. We all make mistakes. All of us do. And at this point in time, every single American citizen has to sit down and think, what is more important to me, having to eat some humble pie or actually duking this out? Because if you take down people that are fighting for you, you go down too. That's the bottom line. So, um, you know, we've already seen that the news are setting up the narrative. Oh, these people are crazy or they're not credible. And it's like, I see you coming. They set up, oh, Tom, uh, Clarence Thomas, his wife is a righty. He's swayed. And it's like that thing that I found on stupid, on the sun, where they were talking about full house, you know, with Bob Saget and Cameron, uh, Candace Cameron and stuff. They were like, this person has drug addiction. This one has domestic violence issues. This one has DUIs and Candace Cameron suffers from conservative views. How the fuck do you suffer from that? Like, it doesn't even make sense. So what we need to do is focus on our free speech and focus on our gut. I mean, your gut tells you everything. When you see someone flipping and flopping and flailing and whatever, you know, it is what it is. Um, I just wanted to say for those of you that are sending me, you know, you know, your, your, your prayers, I appreciate you. Prayer is like the best currency to have. Right. Um, I wanted to say, you know, whatever happened with my vehicle is, is okay. Right. Um, it was supposed to be that way. And I feel safer in a Tesla, dead honest, uh, than I do in a regular vehicle because with Tesla, everything is monitored or recorded. Okay. For quality and training purposes. <laughs> um, it's just that, uh, you know, I know it was hacked. I know message was sent. Was it a message to tell me, Hey, you've got vulnerabilities, raise them. Or was it a message saying, oh, I'm, we're coming for you? Nobody knows. Regardless, it's on the books now. Tomorrow, there'll be a police report. Tesla's already aware of it. You know, either way, I'm not driving it because it was rear-ended. So whatever. And um, it'll, it'll get better. I know I'm not going anywhere yet. Like I've said many times before, I know it's coming. I have that advantage. It doesn't mean that it's always good. I know when it's bad too. And I know it's about to get real rough for me. Um, and I know that, that, that poking at it more is making it rougher, but I'm okay with that. Uh, because in the end, truth comes out and they can't stop what's coming. Let it hold my heart, and there's a fire you rose to claim it. It was dark, and I was over until you kissed my lips and you saved me. My hands 
Something. 